0: learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, it's that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in health care related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Okay so this is one headline I never thought I would see. And it really was, it was a head scratcher for me. And uh, I had to do a double take and uh, I actually did more than that and kept looking at it to make sure I was reading this properly and correctly. Is that the two scientists uh, won the Nobel prize in medicine uh, for discoveries that enabled the creation of the messenger RNA vaccines against COVID-19. That, and, and the AP says that were critical in slowing the pandemic. Uh, technology that's being studied to fight cancer and other diseases. There's a whole lot just in that one statement I put out, and a whole lot more where that came from. Uh, my fellow Americans, welcome in here to America Out Loud Pulse. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here along with my co-host.
1: Dr. Peter McCullough.
0: So you're, your ears must have been burning. You were on my mind. Uh, I'll tell you, as soon as I read this, I said, oh my God, I guess you, have my brother Peter thinks about this one, but you're going just, to just about flipped over it here. I, I, I understand uh, you know, we, we've looked at these historically, but looking at this one here, what was your initial reaction to this thing when you seen it?
1: Yeah, I was, um, you know part of me was stunned and then part of <laughs> me said, you know what? this is just uh, this is just part of this entire narrative. You, you know, I the timing of it was amazing. You know, I had just been approved to be a Nobel nominator myself. So I had gone through the process, uh, one, in order to, to get the Nobel Prize, one obviously has to be nominated, but in order to be a qualified nominator, one has to actually qualify for that. And I had just qualified uh, for that myself, and I had, uh, nominated a very esteemed scientist from Australia for uh, the, the next year's Nobel Prize. So I had literally gone through that process, which is quite a laborious process. Wow. And then sure enough, this comes out and we learned that Carrico and Weissman uh, had won the Nobel Prize in medicine for their their invention of modifying messenger RNA with what's called synthetic nucleosides to make it last far longer in the body, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that could be an advantage if messenger RNA was coding for a deficient protein like insulin or alpha galactosidase and some deficiency syndrome, but it would be, you know, absolutely a disaster if the messenger RNA was coding for a lethal spike protein from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So, uh, this is a stunning, and in many ways, uh, the irony of it, the, the, uh, the, the the characteristic of the messenger RNA that makes it so dangerous is that it's so long-lasting, and that's what the Nobel Prize was granted for.
0: The, the fact that it's long-lasting. <laughs> that's right. ironic. That is ironic. That is a
1: killer. Yeah. I, I mean, it's ironic. And that's even Weissman killer. himself, people have now pulled videos. And in 2018, Weissman is saying, well, the messenger RNA would only last in the body a week, and then the body right. would break it down. Right. Uh, there's no signs that it's being broken down in the body. And, and a paper recently by Crosson and colleagues from Harvard, Department of Pathology, shows that the messenger RNA is stuck in the human heart, yeah. causing heart damage, yeah. Yeah. you know, a month later.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why we've had all those problems. All right, so when they say, let's break this down now. When they say... They That uh, that enabled the creation of the mRNA vaccines against COVID nineteen that were critical and slow in slowing the pandemic. How did this slow the pandemic down?
1: They didn't. The vaccines didn't slow the pandemic at all. In fact, they've lengthened the <laughs> pandemic. Multiple studies show that without the vaccines, it would have been over with in two years.
0: You and I but said it, that early on, Peter. We said that right and, up front.
1: Yeah, it was it was a four year. A yeah. period of misery for the world. And even yeah. Spanish flu was just two years. These, these things don't last four years unless we're mass vaccinating and then promoting more resistant strains.
0: Right. All right. All right. They say here, the panel said the pair's groundbreaking findings fundamentally changed our understanding of how mRNA interacts with our immune system. Would you tell us how does it interact with our immune system?
1: Well, when we give a messenger RNA, it's not natural for it to be floating out in the bloodstream. So initially, they were giving naked messenger RNA, and that stimulates the immune system, particularly when it's coding for a foreign protein, stimulates interferons, uh, and that's in a lot of Weissman's and Carrico's uh, work. So they were trying to make the messenger RNA, in a sense, cloaked, uh, mm-hmm. that it would kind of fool the body's own immune system so the body you wouldn't be perturbed immunologically from the messenger RNA itself. They weren't that successful. And in some of their papers, they demonstrate, you know, trying to load it in different vehicles, uh, including, you know, in the end, lipid nanoparticles. Um, But it's clear from the work of uh, Weissman, uh, particularly, where he, he says, listen, this messenger RNA is going to stimulate the immune system, cause autoimmunity, and actually one of his papers say, cause potentially blood clots.
0: Yeah, and he says it in there. You mean?
1: Yeah, this is wow. you know before 2018.
0: And you get a Nobel Prize for it. It's remarkable. Um, you say here the me- the messenger RNA approach starts with a snippet of genetic code carrying instructions for making proteins. Pick the right virus protein to target, and the body turns into a mini vaccine factory. What do you say to that statement?
1: It sounds awful. I know. you don't want your body to be a vaccine factory. I mean, vaccine ought to be a limited exposure. Your body forms immunity to it, get in and out, minimal side effects. You know, this idea of our bodies becoming vaccine factories, Malcolm, every cell in your body being taken over? No way.
0: I know, I know. And then, you know, um, uh, they say here... um, in early experiments with animals, simply injecting lab-grown mRNA triggered a reaction that usually destroyed it. These early challenges caused many to lose faith in the approach. Pretty much everybody gave up on it. Now, when they say it, that with the animals, simply injecting lab-grown mRNA triggered a reaction that usually destroyed it, destroyed what? The I guess they're speaking about the problem, the reaction. No,
1: d- No, destroyed the messenger RNA. They were trying to get it lasted. So when they just take n- n- naked messenger RNA without any modifications, uh, let's say grown out of a mice and then injected another animal, the body would just destroy it. So uh, uh, so what, you know, Weissman and Carrico did is they synthetically cha- changed it so the human body couldn't destroy it.
0: Uh, it's remarkable. I mean, just remarkable. This was all out of the university of Pennsylvania, by the way, um, this, uh, This other professor of medicine at Britain's University uh, described the mRNA vaccines made by Biontech, Pfizer, Moderna as a game changer in shutting down the coronavirus pandemic. Does Dr. Paul Hunter, I don't know if you know him, uh, credit in the shots with saving millions of lives? He says we would likely only now be coming out of the depths of COVID without the mRNA vaccines. Where do they get their information from, I'm wondering?
1: It's just fantasy. This is just wishful thinking. This is how someone would want to paint a fanciful story of of heroism and, and innovation, you know, man versus nature, man prevails. Uh, it, it's simply just uh, fanciful fiction. Yeah, uh, the, the vaccines, the estimates are recently um, did a program that's out on the social media this week with den- the prof- former professor um, Dennis Rancourt from epidemiologic studies, the estimates are the vaccines have actually caused about 20 million lives to be lost. They didn't save any lives. Yet the press releases... Are indicating, oh, you know, 15 to 25 million lives were saved by the vaccines. Right. Remember to make a claim that a vaccine saves their lives, one needs prospective, double blind, randomized placebo-controlled trials. For efficacy, one needs that. Now, on safety, we don't need randomized trials. We just watch the safety events happen as and as the deaths come in with the vaccine mm-hmm. and they're adjudicated as the vaccine causing the death. That's how we get to that 20 million number. So, no, the vaccines have have not save lives, they've cost millions of lives, innocent lives gone after injection.
0: Now, all right, put that aside right there a moment, This and what you've been saying, and then just coming down to this historic speech you did at the European Parliament, which was just a uh, an amazing moment, um, which really put a spotlight on this whole thing because it was such a condensed, a point of view and version of what really took place and you were able to condense it in a very short period of time. This is like a 15-minute uh thing. And it was like, okay, now you see this happen here. He, here's what worries me about this announcement: why I think it's so critical, why it's so big. So I've started to see the headlines uh of this uh all over the place, Dr. McCullough. This uh, this um, uh, you know, the 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 heroes, these two cats that are now going to get Nobel Prize because they did such a fantastic thing. They created the mRNA uh, vaccine thing, and now they're credited with this. And It's been so good and so effective and so amazing that Nobel is going to award them big, big barrel loads of cash and big awards and what have you. And I'm just wondering that the, the, what the fear to me is that's a PR campaign that is cancer onto people that are going to pick up on that. This is going to do a lot of damage and it's going to, I believe it's going to convince a lot of people who are not really, a lot of people don't pay in the depth and ten, you know, in the trenches uh, attention, all the uh, myriad of details going on with these stories. And they're going to see this story with the, with this uh, MRNA and these two cats get in the no they're going to think, Wow, these things really are that good. I, I better go out and get my boosters. I'm gonna get my shots. I think this was really damaging to people. And it really was
1: concerning to me. Do, do I have a point here or what? You do. It it shows the the power of this biopharmaceutical complex we've been talking about, this vaccine syndicate and and the money involved from you know, all the players, World Economic Forum and Gates Foundation and so many others. Can you imagine how many strings they pulled? to make this happen now listen to this this isn't the first time uh remember the nobel has this uh, you know history over in scandinavia um but you know uh, of interest in um uh, decades ago in 1918 the nobel prize was awarded to german chemist fritz haber and in medicine we have what's called the haber weiss equation and it deals with acid base and, and the reason why is that he had discovered ways of synthesizing ammonia from nitrogen gas and hydrogen gas. And so it, it large it, it allowed large-scale synthesis of fertilizers um, uh, and explosives. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know he got the Nobel Prize in 1918, but uh, he's also considered the father of modern chemical warfare. He was a fierce German nationalist and he applied his uh, genius, to developing weaponizing chlorine and other poisonous gases that they used during World War I. That's Haber. He wins the, 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 the Nobel uh, Prize. Mm-hmm. 1948, mm-hmm. the Swiss chemist, Paul Hermann Mueller, won the Nobel Prize for the discovery of insecticides. But what insecticides did he discover? It was DDT for controlling malaria and yellow fever. So while DDT killed mosquitoes, it was also devastating to the environment and uh, you know it was responsible for um, you know mass killing of wildlife. And so the EPA later on banned DDT in 1962. That was a Nobel Prize uh, award. Now let me give you the last one. This is the capper. 1949, Antonio Igas Monitz gets the Nobel Prize for inventing frontal lobotomy to treat schizophrenia. Oh, wow. now, this was after about 15 years of work and um, frontal lobotomy became a standard of care and it turned thousands of schizophrenics who were somewhat functional into basically neurologic vegetables. Uh, and um, you know, the patients were emotionally numb, unresponsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you remember our own Dr. Peter Bregan on America Out Loud platform, mm-hmm. he was the voice of reason and he stood up against uh, these researchers at uh, University of Missouri, Missouri, University of Mississippi, and Jackson performing experimental psychosurgery on black children. Um, and in 1972, Bregan launched a full full-blown campaign against that practice. He he worked with the Black Caucus. it was in Congress. and uh, in the end, there was a halt to frontal lobotomy. Yeah. So those are three examples of Nobel yeah. prizes, which people thought at the time were legitimate prizes that created basically monsters. Yeah, that yeah. in the end, all of these monsters had to be stopped, whether it be you know, chlorine gas for chemical warfare. DDT or frontal lobotomy. Uh, and mm. th- this is going to have to be stopped. The messenger RNA is a monster. And uh, th- this is now just, uh, you know, walking into, uh, you know, a whole new territory of trying to rewrite history. People are still suffering. Uh, on the Substack this week, uh, the notes come from the work of uh, historian John Leake. And John, uh, in this final uh, part of this piece on the Nobel Prize, has a picture of a 45-year-old Julian Schofield, who was paralyzed two weeks after taking a Pfizer messenger RNA vaccine. Yeah, And he obviously he's a Canadian. He doesn't view it as progress. You know, when you've taken a messenger RNA vaccine and you are paralyzed, it's not an advancement of science. If you, you know, if you're if your loved one had a frontal lobotomy is now a neurologic vestibule that wasn't a victory and you can go back so the point is malcolm the nobel prize is not always going to be something well i'll I'll have another one for
0: you in just a moment but i will tell you this uh you're right dr peter bregan that's a piece of history he owns dr peter bregan and what he did uh i mean he he Single-handedly, uh, here's a piece of history. What he did there, and he he changed the uh, trajectory of that story. You know, he fought, he fought, he fought them all. But your point about big pharma and the control they have—let me get to the bigger point, which is the Nobel uh, Prize is a political tool, is what it is. You subtly point that out with the globalist and the power structures, uh, and the money involved in this thing. The big pharma is is clearly at play here with this one. No other reason they do it, I'm sure. And you know when you think of all that, but that just reminds me. Back in 2009, there was another one that was we were all aghast like, with, and just being in office for uh, about seven months. It was very brief, right there. Uh, Barack Obama. Uh, got a Peace Prize uh, for really doing nothing. He hadn't done anything yet, but it was very political uh, with him uh, talking about there was no American exceptionalism on the world stage or doing all this stuff, which was a political thing. And it really fed into the globalist environment that he was out there talking in Europe and talking about others about really how we weren't very special here in America. That really happened. And he was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize back in 09 for that. So there's a fourth one for you, Dr. McCullough. How do you like that?
1: Yeah, you're right. I think, uh, you know, looking back on it, the Nobel Peace Prize in different areas, um, mm. you know, you know, has different connotations, different meanings. You'd like to think it's all meaningful all the way through. But boy, I got to tell you, science and medicine,
0: yeah.
1: you know, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, you know, another thing people pointed out, there's been so much discussion over this, is even frontal lobotomy. Uh, you know, that was 15 years of surgical research before that won the Nobel Prize. Uh, you know, messenger RNA, in terms of its application in vaccines, is still pretty new. And to, to try to, you know, position this that this was, you know, enabled uh, the COVID vaccines to save the world when we still have COVID, we still have outbreaks, people are on their eighth shot. It's obvious it doesn't work. We've had record injuries, disabilities, and deaths. You, you, you just wonder. The people writing these stories, mm-hmm. what do they really think the the audience is going to think when they read it? Because it's essentially fiction.
0: Yeah. Well, they think they're going to believe it, which is my concern, what I raised to you a few <laughs> moments ago. Yeah. A lot of people are going to believe this because they don't study it deep enough. They don't have the time or the wherewithal to do that, uh, Peter. And so they're going to believe it. This is I think you're going to I think you may very well potentially see now a rise in more people getting boosters and shots based on these announcements, because a lot of people are on the fence with this stuff, too. There's a lot of older people on the fence. They're even trying to give it to the kids still and all of that on the fence. There are people coming back with mandates. Uh, My wife was telling me the other day she uh was. To, oh, you're, you're going to believe this one, Dr. McCullough. she her mom, she had to take her mom in for an appointment with a with a specialist. And they, her mom's in a wheelchair and because of COVID coming back, they wanted, and she has a breathing problem. I mean, she's well in her 80s and challenged and they wanted her to wear a mask and they wanted her to uh, just leave the wheelchair at the door and to leave her and they'll have to roll her in or something else because of COVID. This is this week, this is this week.
1: That is amazing. I'm just kind of blown away about yeah. This reaction. It's true. I've been traveling. I've been in airports. I am seeing more people wear masks. Yeah. Uh we know that the EG5 and the FL 1.5 variants that are leading this outbreak, it, it, they it, you know, they're slightly predominant, but it's the most genetically varied outbreak we've seen so far. The xbb 1.5, that's the one the boosters are are directed against. That's long gone now. Although the boosters in, in the uh the study of 10 mice did raise antibodies against EG5 but this whole thing has to be viewed as 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 you know it has to be viewed as a farce i mean they released the new shots with just experiments on 10 mice with XBB 1.5 and 10 mice with the BA 4.5 no human data they've they've now two sets of boosters um, they have said that a single booster now takes the place of a primary series for someone who hasn't been vaccinated that's never been tested the, the human toll of of injuries, disabilities, and deaths continue to rise. And listen to this now, oh my lord! These uh, papers uh, just uh, keep uh, coming in. Um, you know, you know, we now have data from Nakahara and colleagues showing that virtually everybody who takes a shot, Malcolm, mm-hmm. the metabolism in the heart changes, and we can see this by cardiac positron emission tomography. This was a stunning paper, and it's a pretty big paper. I think about seven hundred patients. But essentially, those who take the shot, the heart becomes sick. And it's instead of using fatty acids for its major source of fuel, it shifts to glucose. And the PET scans light up very intensely by uptake of uh, 18-fluorodeoxyglucose, indicating a sick heart. And this occurs in everybody, virtually everybody who takes the shot. That, that, was the, that was the stunning result. And this was seen out to six months after the shot. So people are not normal. Yeah. and uh you know I I had I uh, I tweeted this out and I wrote a sub because uh, uh famed Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey just shot a Pfizer commercial of him taking a shot yeah she did. Uh, to to protect himself and he's got a blue Band-Aid on and uh uh you know at the same time he started dating Taylor Swift who is you know country you know music uh, iconic superstar and businesswoman but boy she's turning these football stadiums upside down there's more cameras on her than what's going on kelsey's not playing that great on the field it it, it um kind of reminds me of when Dallas cowboy uh, quarterback um tony romo was dating jessica simpson and tony romo was just throwing interceptions and the cowboy fans got to a point so listen get her out of the stadium it's obvious he, he yeah. can't uh, concentrate. Distraction. His, it's a distraction. Yeah, he, he can't concentrate. And yeah. so um yeah. so I was tagging Taylor Swift on Twitter and I just happened to look at her profile. I was stunned. You, you know she she has 93 million followers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she's an entertainer, and that's what they do. And uh, they uh, you know, they attract a lot of folks, don't they? Both are, both sides of the aisle there, if they're smart, if they're smart.
1: Well, Uh, she's managed herself well, but I think the most entertaining tweet that's popped up is, I think, some sports fan shot this over. And it shows a picture of Kelsey with his blue Pfizer Band-Aid and then a picture of Swift. And then he said, uh, either way, uh, this dude is going to get his heart broken.
0: Well, that's exactly the message with Swift. (laughs) I I don't follow her, obviously. But uh, my wife tells me all the time she has broken more hearts. Uh, for more guys, I, I have no idea what the numbers. Again, I don't follow these cats. But uh, evidently, she has a reputation. So it looks like this guy will be around just for a short period of time, evidently. Uh, but, you know, it's hard. F- football is like every sport. It's a focused uh, g- uh, game. And you have to really be focused to do your best. With those kind of distractions, it becomes a circus. And then you're not really paying attention. The cameras span up to the – you'll see the videos on this, Peter. The, the cameras span up to the, to the press box. And the press box is out there. Oh, it's Stateless Switzerland. And it's just all such rubbish. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just, but, a media you know, blitz.
1: It, it, it brings up it brings things into more popular conversations. So it does. Uh, Pat, it does. Pat McAfee is one of the uh, sports media people now. He's pretty big on Instagram and Twitter. Um, He's interviewing Aaron Rodgers. Remember, Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback of the um The Packers, who at the time would not take the COVID vaccine. I remember Aaron got sick with COVID about the same time Joe Rogan did. Aaron got McCullough protocol. And there was all this relaying and texting going. Aaron got through it fine. And Aaron later on uh, is towards the end of his career. He gets traded to the Jets. And so, uh, you know, his first game, he gets some injury. And you can tell, you know, here's the you know, the older player now injured. But he's on the field, and Travis Kelsey comes over to talk to him. Uh, before the game, and they, the cameras catch it. Then you know, after the game, um, Pat McAfee's going over going over the game with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron says, "Hey, you know, I think we think we held up pretty good against Mister Pfizer." <laughs> Kelsey is now Mr. Pfizer because he's gone out and shot this Pfizer ad. we could say that about Carrico and Weissman, the Nobel Prize laureates you know <laughs> you know they're, they're, what are they are they is this courtesy of the Gates Foundation or you know who pulled this Nobel for them and then then rewrote history that these are yeah. the glorious uh, wondrous pro- you know Nobel Nobel Prize-winning products. Yeah. I mean good Lord, you yeah. know people paralyzed blood clots, heart damage. Nobel Prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: that's it. I mean, uh, they shouldn't even get the booby prize for that. Uh, They should be uh, put out of business out of their minds. Um, One last thing I want to ask you is I don't know the answer to this. What they say scientists are trying out are are now trying out the mRNA approaches for cancer, allergies and other gene therapies. This is Wiseman said this. Uh, Any thoughts of that? Is there anything there with that stuff?
1: Well, you think about it, messenger RNA in theory, if it was safe and could be accepted by the human body, it could literally produce any protein that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Any protein. So if there was a protein that worked to you know, settle down. You mean if allergy, it was safe? Sh- you mean if it
0: was safe and effective? You mean
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean what I'm saying is in theory it has a lot of applicability. People for the longest time have wanted to to insert a gene. Yeah. And well, let's let's do gene therapy. We'll insert a gene and 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 that'll produce a a, a new protein or missing protein It's going to solve the problem. Well, you know, we still, to this day, we don't really have any insertional gene technologies. So messenger RNA in many ways was a workaround where we don't have to change the DNA. We can just feed the body's cells messenger RNA and it can produce a protein. So, you know, an example would be, you know, we're missing a protein for a particular um, genetic uh, syndrome. Let's say we're missing a protein a blood clotting protein, and we have hemophilia. Well, if we could have messenger RNA produce the missing blood clotting protein, then you know problem solved. So these kind of singular missing protein uh, um, types of syndromes, uh, you, you know, they in theory they should be amenable to this. Now, over the history of messenger RNA since 1985, believe me there have been uh, clinical studies of trying to replace normal proteins. The messenger RNA has just not cut it. It just can't seem to, you know, f- f- fill the bill. So it's been a technology that the U.S. has invested with, uh, invested in heavily since 1985. paper in British Medical Journal by Lalani has characterized this. Tens of millions of, uh, billions of American dollars have gone into this. Nothing's come out of it. The military invested massively for, you know, over 20 years. The DARPA, Adept P3 program, nothing came out of it. Moderna and all these companies into it. We're now up to Malcolm over nine thousand patents on and patent documents on messenger RNA. Nine thousand. Wow. Now that and there's a paper by Lee and colleagues that summarizes. Yeah. And the top patent holders are not people. They're actually at the top. It's Sanofi, CureVac, big companies, Bio- big Bio- pharma, biotech, Moderna. Believe it or not, you know what's right up there? The U.S. government. Oh wow! wow. So, so one of the things, and I summarize this in a in a Substack. Yeah, one of the you know, anytime someone comes out and said, "Well, I invented messenger RNA," it's like, "What? No, no, you didn't." There's no single person who invented messenger RNA. This has been a massive biotechnological government project for decades. So we haven't heard the end
0: of this. Then the the whole mRNA. This is not the end of any of it. I mean, it's just probably the beginning of it. From what you're saying
1: it's probably just the beginning of it and chances yeah. are uh, yeah. this part of its technological development will be go down in history as a disaster but uh, but but there may be other, other things it's what i'm uh, wondering
0: yeah that's uh, what that, i'm wondering
1: that you know I, I always thought replacing missing proteins would be a great advantage i think vaccines yeah. are going to be a disaster but uh, you know protein replacement uh, that's up on the table cancer the right. um applications are not so readily envisioned in terms of cancer. People, you know the 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 kind of science fiction type of writers will say, well, it's a vaccine for cancer. And they want to quickly get to that shortcut. Well, it's right, pretty complicated. Right. Uh, we don't have any vaccines for cancer, you know, a- after many decades mm-hmm. of attempts. So.
0: All right. Well, listen. Now we're on Q and A eighty-five, and I definitely want to get to questions today. We've got a lot of them, and I promised folks we would get some of these on that have written back a couple of times. So we'll do some of that. Also, we're coming into a uh, an interesting time of year, but fall uh, with fall season always is flu and RSV and all kinds of challenges. I want to just touch a moment on some of our partners, our sponsored partners. I started with one of the products that has been remarkable and amazing, and that's Kofix RX and their new product, the Kofix throat spray, uh, which is perfect timing for the fall season. And I know because uh, they are, a lot of people are trusting uh, Kofix to come into the fall season and they're having remarkable results to uh, limit the problems. Especially with this throat spray, it's like a one-two application, if you will. You've got the the nasal hygiene for the nose, and then you've got the um, the throat spray uh, with, uh, with COVID. Uh, and uh, you're, you're using yours, especially when you're traveling to stuff. I'm sure you were using it, Dr. McCullough, right? And traveling and everything.
1: I I'm, I'm using like it how? right now, Malcolm. I'm using it right now. Let me tell you what, people... I use it all the time. Carrying viruses, yeah, Yeah. and I think you can't be. You start to feel like you have anything at all. I'm just telling people get on it right away. Yeah, do not wait.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. As soon as you have something, anything at all, you wanna you wanna get this thing going and uh, get it rolling on both cases because you want to limit the problem uh, and eliminate it from your from yourself. So. Uh, so Cofix RX uh, with the throat spray, which is a new product it's been out a couple of months now I'm using both of them. Uh, you use the code out loud 25 uh, is the one and you'll get 25% off in that case of the throat spray and the nasal hygiene. All of those offers and these wonderful uh, things we put together here are all available back at americaoutloud.shop. That is the shop with all the products that we talk about here on the programs, on all, the, all our medical programs across the board. Uh, those are the products there. Uh, also, this coming in this time of the year, the, it is a appropriate time to take care of yourself with healthy cell is another one that I truly believe in. I take, my wife and I take Immune Super Boost every day. We absolutely believe in it. You always say take two if you're not feeling well. You take one in the morning, one of the night mm-hmm. uh, as well, because it's got everything in there you really want to have. It's got the zinc. It's got the T3, the echinacea, the elderberry. It's got everything in there you want to have. But they have a whole host of products that are nutraceutical, that are microgel rather, that uh, gel formula gets into your body, maximum absorption. This has been a great product line, uh, Dr. McCullough. You've sworn by, Use the REM. In fact, you know, I was thinking of the other night. I took REM sleep a couple nights, two, three nights in a row. I was having some trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just wasn't getting proper rest. And I said to my wife, I said, I, I got to take, I, I don't like sleeping pills. I've never been anybody, I've never been a person to take any of that stuff. I just don't like it. I don't like meds. I don't like sleeping pills. I don't like pain pills. I don't like any of that stuff. I never did. But this is more natural in weight. And it just helps your the uh, circadian clock in us to get that last hour or two in the morning. Isn't that what that does more or less?
1: It does. It, you know, it doesn't put you to sleep. No. But once you fall asleep, you get a deeper sleep. sleep yeah. And it's just more restful. You wake up more restful. You know, people report, and I notice this myself, um, if you're a light sleeper, any little amount of urine in the bladder tends to stimulate you and you get up to pee. And some people get up to urinate and they have a small volume volume of urination. And you wonder, could they have actually slept through the night if they had a deeper sleep? Because it's normal to wake up and then have a large volume of urination when you get up. That's supposed to happen. Right. And I've noticed that um, particularly in men, I'll tell men, uh, how many times you get up to, to, to urinate? They'll say, well, you know, anywhere from one to six times, it depends on all these other factors, right. but boy, I tell you, if they take the REM sleep supplement, they get into a good sleep hygiene mode, don't drink after 8 PM, don't eat salty foods, no alcohol, no brown colas, uh, you know, really try to take care of oneself, exercise through the day. Um, it is possible to get for a man, uh, I think to get back to a full night without getting up to urinate. Yeah, And let me tell you, yeah. if you achieve that Malcolm, yeah, and, and and as a man, let's say over age sixty, wow, that's yeah. something else.
0: Well, thankfully, I haven't had too too many problems there, but I I drink a ton of water anyway. So, but uh, luckily, you're right. Uh, you got to have a healthy system for that. Um, all the healthy cell products, uh, you get twenty five percent off always. Uh, that uh, first order, just use the code out loud. All of that, and I just want to mention quickly the uh, the. Um, the spike support. I've got to mention that because everybody's writing in about that, Peter. And that's the um, uh, the spike. What's called spike support? That's what it's called, actually. I was just thinking of that with the nattokinase. Um, and w- when this is trio, pro- are they still doing the trio products? Coming? I, I need to uh, talk to them at the wellness company. Is are they still coming out with that?
1: Yeah, they're coming out with it to have it packaged. Uh, right now, people, yeah. uh, you know, are really reaching for spike support. It includes nattokinase, two thousand units twice a day plus five minor ingredients uh, that are very helpful. Now, we are consistently seeing people improve. I was in um, uh, Alexandria, Minnesota last weekend. A woman came up to me. She goes, Dr. McCullough, I've got to tell you, I've been on spike support. I, you know, I had COVID in 2021. I couldn't taste or smell, had ringing in the ears and felt miserable for two years. Wow. Two years, no vaccine, just this kind of long COVID. Now, yeah. remember the earlier versions of COVID, the wild type alpha and delta, they were, delta. They were tough. I mean, they that's what you and D had. They're tough. Big time. Big time. And yeah. uh, anyhow, she said, I've been on it, and yes. it's about five months, and it's back. I can taste. I can smell. My hearing is back. I'm back. And she was so happy, and she was, we made a video together. It's out on social media. It's unprompted. Yeah. So people are yeah. improving. I think these testimonials really matter. You know, this is, we are, this is yeah. all about getting people better. In the end, we just want people better. We want people restored. Amen. Get Amen. back to where they were before the pandemic. Spike support helping us a long way in achieving that.
0: It does, and all of their products there. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna talk to them in the next many days, and and uh, see about that trio products when that's coming. I'm really super excited about that. And a lot of you, by the way, are asking uh, about uh, the um, the new protocol that Dr. McCullough has worked on. Where to find that? What have you? Let me just tell you right now because you're we got so many emails in. I just can't address all of those on air here. Go to news. the front page. Don't do this on your mobile phone or a, you've got to go on a laptop or desktop because there's another column you won't see on a mobile phone. Uh, obviously, you only get one column with a mobile phone because it's only so wide. So do it on a desktop or laptop or something like that. There's a left column. Down below, it says COVID resources. And if you look there, you'll see the clinical rationale for SARS-CoV-2 base spike protein detoxification uh, both in post-COVID-19 and vaccine injury, injury syndromes. And it's all out there. The dosage, all the information you need, everybody's asking. It's right there under COVID resources. You cannot miss it. That's how to get that piece from Dr. McCullough, okay? All right? Because I try to answer everybody back, and it's impossible with the number of people who email in on that. All right, we're going to take a, just a quick pause here, friends, uh, and uh, return Q&A 85 on America Out Loud post. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. out loud. Welcome back in here to America Out Loud Pulse Q&A 85. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, let's jump right into questions. Got a lot to cover and this first one kind of plays a little bit to some of what we just shared and you actually uh, mentioned uh, um, the inventors of these things but let me give this one to you from Casey. My friend went to an event and Robert Malone said to her that there is no cure for long COVID and vaccine injury. Wasn't he the maker of the jabs? <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm, not, I'm now scared that I will never get rid of my severe symptoms if that is true. What do you say to Casey?
1: You know, I, I'm in clinical practice. I'm seeing patients every day. I saw patients today. Uh, I refuse to believe either the virus or its consequences, long COVID syndrome or post vaccine injury syndromes, that they're unassailable, that there's nothing we can do, that there's no hope for anyone. Malcolm, we can always help people in medicine. We can always. It's it said that we, you know, we cure people rarely, we help them sometimes, but we always care about them right. and we can work to get them better so uh you know based on the preclinical data and clinical trials our practice is going with natto kinase units twice a day bromelain 500 milligrams once a day and curcumin 500 milligrams twice a day it's on our platform uh we are seeing a substantial improvement we have case report forms we're putting together the data uh doing all that we can do
0: yeah, yeah.
1: so yeah. i think that it clearly is treatable now a recent paper very important paper from Germany, 48,000 Germans in this study, first author is Diexer and colleagues, showed that, you know, of all the, quote, long COVID out there, Malcolm, Mm -hmm. 70% of it, especially after 2021, it's all the vaccines. It's not really COVID that's making people sick, it's the vaccines. So long COVID is part of a government false narrative. Oh, everything's long COVID, all the problems we're seeing, blood clots, heart damage. It's all long COVID. No, it's not. It's actually due to the vaccine. The virus itself is pretty mild. So in the Dioxier paper, they had people by vaccine status. Now, if you've never taken a shot and you get Omicron, it's very mild. Those people are fine. They don't have all these problems. Everybody's sick is either because they had severe COVID in 2020 or early 2021 uh, or it's because they've taken the vaccines and they're loading their body with spike protein.
0: Yeah, that's the problem right there. So there's your answer, and that paper is on the front page. And some people do have despair, and there's no doubt about it. They've gone through some tough times. I was just having this conversation earlier today with uh, Dr. Henry Ely, same thing, um, about despair. And people trust uh, the information they're given, and they trust uh Uh, you know, this amazing group of people here that we have fight on this thing on the front lines. Now, this one is from Albert. uh, Says, uh, Dr. McCullough, as you know, there are two papers that concluded that two and a half percent uh, get myocarditis. The mechanism being that as the heart pumps blood, the mRNA goes to the heart and expresses a spike on the cells. It's obviously worse for athletes as the heart is pumping quickly during exercise. What I do not understand is why are only two and a half get myocarditis. I know that that there is the Schmeling paper and has lots, uh, uh, hot lots, etc., and that a sore arm after a shot could indicate inflammation in other parts of the body. But how come still only two, uh, only two and a half percent get myocarditis? Any idea of that?
1: It's probably because the the um... You know, the the various lots of vaccines have different concentrations of messenger RNA. That's basically our best hypothesis about why people get sick. And the Schmeling analysis from Denmark was about 4.2% of vials is where people really got sick and got hyper-vaccinated. But uh, this uh, listener, he's onto something because of the the paper I quoted regarding the... um, the myocardial metabolism. And that is the paper that was uh, recently published by um, by Nakahara and colleagues. Positron emission tomography, they found uh, in 700 vaccinated and 303 non-vaccinated patients that those who took the vaccine had a much higher uptake of 18-fluorodioxyl glucose. It means the heart muscle cells were getting sick. So this listener's right. The vaccine affects the hearts of virtually everybody who takes it, and it's only in that 2.5 percent where there's bona fide damage. And mm. in the one paper that he cites, the Mansugian paper, I mean, that was among kids aged 13 to 18. I think seven kids got put in the hospital. Wow! So it looks like it looks like wow. everybody takes a hit to the heart, yeah. Yeah. and then it's a smaller uh, fraction that was clinically evident.
0: A severe damage, yeah. I'm glad we brought that question in. I, I learned something from what you shared there. So there you go, uh, Albert. Next one's from Janet. Uh, and she says, thank you for sharing this amazing knowledge during this sad chapter in our history. And uh, I, we get you, Janet. I thought that was an important way to put it there. It is a sad chapter, no doubt about it. I am aware that ivermectin does not cross the blood-brain barrier, but that nat- natokinase does. For that reason, would the latter be helpful in treating either vertigo or uh, tintinitis following either COVID or the vaccine? And if so, are are you able to explain the mechanism of action of natokinase or, for that matter, the spike protein, the neural symptoms? Thank you again. Thoughts there?
1: Good question. You know, studies of blood-brain barrier penetration, particularly for the supplements, are not you know are not readily available it's my understanding that natto probably should not cross the blood-brain barrier ivermectin probably does so it's just the reverse <laughs> shows you my understanding is just the reverse now remember ivermectin was used to treat river blindness so if it gets into the eye it clearly can cross the blood-brain barrier so i think ivermectin does have effects in the central nervous system but we knew need strategies to influence uh the nerves now so much of what we've learned is actually extracranial. It's due to blood vessel supply to the olfactory nerve, as an example. It's not deep be- brain penetration that's helping people. It's actually just uh, you know local tissue penetration outside the brain. But on the nanokinase, that would be the wellness company uh, Spike Support, and and you know or nanokinase they buy anywhere with bromelain. Anchor cumin. We are seeing for sure the neurologic symptoms get better. Small fiber neuropathy, wow. hearing loss, uh, uh, you know, loss of taste and smell. All that's coming back.
0: Amen, amen. I know D. My wife had lost her, her um, smell. She had hair loss, smell, all of that stuff. But it has come back. It has come back. And she had it very serious, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there is hope for everybody. Just you got to keep pushing forward. Take take your stuff. Take your we take it all the stuff every day. And
1: Malcolm, and, for yeah. D, what was the time frame? Before, oh, she time? yeah,
0: she lost it for about I would say about a year and a half, year and a half. Wow, yeah, long time, yeah. Well, remember that she had it in the Delta, and we know the story. I mean, she she was we're she's lucky to be here, you
1: know, yeah, lucky she to be nearly here. Passed away.
0: No, yeah. we nearly, nearly lost her. It was just by the grace of God that we were able to pull that one out, and uh, it was a it was a chapter of life I will never ever forget ever. Uh, this one's from John uh, uh, on the uh, questions about the baseball spike detox uh is i'm um, sure you know the mrna in vitro can reverse transcribe uh now what concerns me is this if that's the case people will make spike proteins forever in your experience of people taking the spike detox you say you have seen people make improvements and you monitor them carefully if that is the case could it be an indication that it does not reverse a transcribe hmm, interesting
1: you know, that's a great question. We have some very astute listeners. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it could be an indication that, uh, that either reverse transcription is just so minor that it's just a mosaic of cells that maybe rapidly turn over, you know, cells turning over that uh, get some reverse transcription. Don't forget we have gene editing. The human body is supposed to recognize abnormal gene insertions and then edit it out. Uh, I think the larger question is, uh, you know, what's going to shut off this messenger RNA? The Nobel Prize winning messenger RNA. Well, what shuts it off? Uh, That's something that Carrico and Weissman never told us is is how does the body get rid of messenger RNA? To this day, nobody knows. Hmm. You know, the hope is at some point in time, there's got to be you know, nothing can last in the body forever. There's got to be some catabolism. Get this stuff out of here. But we know the spike protein is directly causing disease and the spike protein is job number one, get the get it out of the body. Yeah. Let me say one other the we're observing um, is that once people are on the um, the base spike support, uh, spike detox program, after about two weeks, they can feel a little sicker. feel a little shakier. Uh, we've had recently had some, somebody have a little bit more hair loss. And we think it's basically because we are starting to liberate spike protein from cells and get it cleared out. And then they get better. But uh, I've seen it enough now where we we are seeing people get a little bit worse for a few weeks before they get better.
0: There you go. All right. Uh, Rachel is uh, this one from I am an unvaccinated massage therapist. 99% of my clients are vaccinated. 99%? Wow. How is my body being infected by touching them? What can I take to undo what is in my body from the shedding of these vaccines what are the dosages and length of which I need to take them? Wow. What do you say to Rachel?
1: I can't, I, I tell you, I have heard this scenario multiple times. Wow. wow. And I am convinced they're shedding, Malcolm. Get out of that profession of reasons,
0: I was going to would be my advice.
1: <laughs> well, listen, you know, it, it for a couple of reasons. One, it's that it's close contact, right? It's massage. And on top of that, it's in a closed room. It's not out where there's a lot of breezy air. So this has all of the, uh, you know, criteria for potentially shedding of spike protein through exosomes, through exhaled breath, through body fluids, etc. And I, but I can't tell you how many massage therapists have told me this. It's just it's just so many. So I think there is uh, shedding. This is a perfect uh, application for the the uh, uh, spike support by the wellness company natokinase, plus the uh, five minor ingredients: the the black uh, sativa extract, the uh, dandelion extract, the uh, the Irish moss, I think it's fine. I don't think patients need full detox with uh, with the bromelain and curcumin, but I think the Wellness Company Spike Support here is a very good application. I have had massage therapists do it, take it regularly, two capsules twice a day of Wellness Company Spike Support, and they do get protection.
0: There you go. And again, and as Dr. McCullough was just sharing with you all, it's more than just the kinase in there. It's the host of ingredients that does the job. And that's important to recognize with the spike support. Uh, it, it, there are better days ahead when all these other products come out too. Uh, and I think I told you, I don't know if I told you, up front, it, it, in the shop, you do get 25% off with Code Out Loud. So use that to get the discount on it. It's it, You can do it. It's uh It's it's workable. Now, this one's from uh, Tamer. Tamer, Dr. McCullough, I heard you say recently that you think most people are fine and most people getting hurt and killed are in the 4.2 bad batch category. But people who have the other 95%, uh, do they have the mRNA still in them, is my question. Because if it is, then surely we're all still in trouble or is the dose weaker and easier for people to remove? Hmm.
1: I think there probably are some that have little or no messenger RNA. That would be the smelling group number one. That's about 30%. I think there is another 70% that has some in them. And then about 4.2%, it's just, they're really in bad shape. Now, what uh, Dr. Verbecky Manici told me, I sat down and had breakfast with her when I was over in Denmark, because you know, I tell you, there's no substitute for seeing somebody looking over the data, talking to them in person. What she told me is, listen, th- these bad batches—they were all almost all at the beginning of the program. She thinks that 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 there's fewer bad batches over time, and I think that's somewhat reassuring. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, what we can take home from this point in time is, I think most people listening understand: don't take any more shots um, yeah, if man. you if you had one early and you got sick early, it's possible you can, you know, you can still be sick for a long time. So we have to be vigilant there and yeah. people are making appointments and doing a detoxification, other things that they can do. That's it. That's it. Uh, the boosters are not safe. Malcolm, the boosters are not safe. This is very, uh, very important. There's a paper on my sub stack and I want people to understand that this is with the uh, boosters where uh, and the, this is a paper, and I always quote the papers where people can can look at it themselves, paper by Rush and colleagues, 1704 healthcare workers. Uh, and uh, uh, it turned out they all were forced to take a booster. They took a booster, Malcolm. 34.9% were so sick, they could not go to work for a few days. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you add it up, they accounted for 1550 sick days. Hmm. And this happened with Pfizer, published in the Journal of Public Health. So the point is the boosters are still very toxic. You take a booster, uh, at least 30% well, of people are going to be in bed the next day. As I suspect.
0: understand it, the boosters can be worse
1: than the main shot. Well, this looks pretty toxic here. Yeah, it, yeah. It, put it this way. It, it, it's There's nothing to suggest they're any safer. Right, and they right, could be worse.
0: Right. All right. I got to ask you this other. Listen to this. this, this well, this, one, this question comes from James. Uh, but I always wonder, how, there's so many tales out there. Uh, you know, there's so many people make stuff up. But, and I don't know if this is true or not. But he, he says, what are your thoughts on attorney Todd Callender's statement that next month there will be a 5G activation and all this? Who took the shots, which will activate the Marburg virus? And that a new pandemic will start. Should we prepare for this somehow, somehow now? What do you say to that kind of a question?
1: Well, because our governments basically have lied to us through (laughs) the entire pandemic, Malcolm. Uh, Every country in the world has experimental genetic vaccines, which are still government property. And they haven't told us what's in the vaccines. The human mind is running wild. Yeah. Why wouldn't it run wild?
0: Well, I guess your point is right, but we don't know that that's true. This person is talking about I, I this—I know—but
1: what I'm saying is the imagination yeah, is running wild. This is what we know. It's actually going to be October fourth, 2023, between uh, two and four p.m. Eastern time, and it's—you know—people have localized it to maybe you know two thirty Eastern. There's going to be FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Association, is going to do a test. On every single cell phone.
0: And we're all going to blow up, right?
1: In in the whole thing. Well, they're going to test it. And and they've done some prior tests, uh, you know, system wide, but they haven't done something like this, where it's every single cell phone. So people are starting to think, well, you know, maybe I I don't want to be a part of this government cell phone ping. Right. And you know, a lot of people aren't gonna be turning off their cell phones or oh, putting for them sure. in. Lock them up. I don't
0: subscribe to any of those government uh, tones that come in. Well, I have them all I, off. I think off, you're off. gonna
1: put yours in a microwave. Or oh, something.
0: I got them all off. off. Oh, my wife sometimes has that stuff on. I hear what is that? It's an, an alert. Alert for what? Oh, the
1: but government Ma- Malcolm may, no. Malcolm may say turning it off is not good enough. You gotta put it in. And, uh, you know, the thing that shields the, um, the signals would be, uh, you know, microwave, obviously don't turn the microwave on, but you <laughs> put it in the microwave and close it, or something called a Faraday bag. A Faraday bag blocks all uh, transmission. Oh,
0: boy, oh, boy. Where are we going? What are we coming to? What are we coming to? And the fear point of what you're talking about is important, which brings me to what Shannon says here. Dr. McCullough, is everyone damaged by the vaccines and is everyone a ticking time bomb? I think we kind of answered that in front of the program. No, not everybody's a ticking time bomb, right, Dr. McCullough? But this fear is a real, a real thing out there, buddy.
1: It is this Nobel Prize-winning messenger RNA <laughs> has created global fear.
0: You're gonna have you're gonna have fun with that one. I can see that in the I football player. Yeah, I
1: can't make. I'm oh. I'm an official Nobel oh. nominator now in the world, oh, oh and you know. Well, I, listen, I, real quickly,
0: I got to sneak this last one in because you talked about the football uh, Kels there. Uh, LeBron James. <laughs> this one comes from Richard. LeBron James, son uh, Bronny, there collapsed with a cardiac arrest in the college basketball court. Germ practice later diagnosed with the uh, congenital heart defect. Of course, there's speculation that this may have been caused by the COVID vaccine. Can you give us your opinion about this? Which We kind of did that earlier, but are congenital heart defects typically discovered more at birth rather than college age? They're asking, uh, would this have been discovered early during the sports physicals? But do you suspect the vaccine may play a role in the situation? We have like a minute left. Go ahead. I
1: I think these are almost always discovered much, much earlier in life, especially for high-level athletes, high-level father. You played for a very exclusive, a uh, private high school. Um, he goes through all the screening, history, physical, EKG, ultrasound. It's almost OEC. Now, what I presume is that he had a cardiac MRI. He probably did have a COVID vaccine related cardiac arrest and he has coincidental heart disease. So they may have found a patent frame in Ovala you couldn't see by echo, or maybe he's developed a form of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy that wasn't appreciated. But the bottom line is he's not back playing no matter what it is. And we can never exclude the vaccine playing a role. In these cases, the problem is they don't even mention whether or not I took the vaccine, yet we know his high school mandated it and USC mandated it.
0: There you go. That says plenty, doesn't it? So, all right, friends, uh, listen, stay healthy, stay happy. And thank you for joining us on the mission here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat again.